welcome to Sword Art Illusions. We are continuing our Rankin Bass stop motion animation coverage, Christmas coverage. Not doing any of the traditionally animated ones. We'll not be covering Lord of the Rings, their version, the Rankin Bass uh, cartoon. It's creepy. No offense to anybody who likes it. Uh, we're about to do one. A very strange one, and frankly, a lot of these plots are pretty strange, but this one is is a doozy. This is uh, Pinocchio's Christmas, which is kind of like a hodgepodge adaptation of the source material, but also kind of a prequel, and also kind of a Christmas movie. I guess, I, like, just as I was about to sit down, I, I figured out that really the the... Pinocchio's Christmas in a nutshell is that it takes a plot and it uses its plot to basically slingshot the characters to the next scene and that's kind of that it, it, it's really it's almost like I'm in the book is the adventures of Pinocchio is I mean uh, it has a lot of sort of interconnected stories basically but this 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 special is essentially just one big 50 minute long train wreck that really at at multiple points looked like it was trying to there was a lot of filler to try and get the special to his runtime and uh there's a lot of songs that are frankly just them they'll take a line and make a song basically about that just sort of describing we're making a song these are words to fill out the song I mean, that's basically what they're doing that's that's that was me just riffing it reminded me a lot of, if, if you're not too familiar with this one, but you're familiar presumably with uh, The Year Without a Santa Claus, the song, Anyone Can Be Santa Claus. I mean, that's just nonsense. That song is stupid. It has no real, doesn't really fit in the plot. It's just something that they felt like doing. To fill out time, uh, Rudolph Shiny New Year, the 1776, they have a 4th of July celebration, 4th of July song. Along the same lines, but uh, Pinocchio's Christmas. Okay, uh, before we dive in, I have a lot of pages of notes, and way more than I was expecting. I, I I'll admit right now, we're gonna we're gonna try and tackle this this thing. I this is a, part of why I like doing these stop motion animation specials. Is it's, it's material that's written for children. It's material that uh, this this special was in the, made in nineteen eighty. It's uh, forty over 40 years old. People are still engaging with it. That's not true of most TV specials. And this one is, is definitely on the more obscure side, but uh, that's part of the fun of it. So I'm going to give a brief summary of what the hell is going on, especially if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's on AMC. It airs. Uh, it's also it's on video on demand. If you have something like YouTube TV, you should be able to watch it. Uh, I don't know. It's... This is definitely... We're testing, seeing how many diehard Rankin Bass fans we have out there, but they're fun. Uh, this special also, uh, George S. Irving, who is the voice of Heat Miser in The Year Without a Santa Claus, he voices Geppetto. It's uh, fun. It's always good to see the actors. You recognize the voices. Also, the voice of Snarf. Snarf, Snarf! From Thundercats, uh, Bob McFadden. He is uh, the voice of uh, Jiminy Cricket. Credit as Talking Cricket and uh, the Slay Driver. So the special uh, alludes at Pinocchio becoming a real boy later on in life, but not now. And basically, it's his first Christmas, and uh, Geppetto 
is uh is trying to sell some uh he's selling his shoes to get uh, pinocchio a present gets him an arithmetic book for him to take to school with him i guess the school doesn't supply uh books it's also said that pinocchio can't read and yet geppetto got him a math book i don't know that's it's weird, but uh, Pinocchio wants to return the favor, uh, not to stray too far from the plot just yet, but Geppetto also sings a song called I Never Know What Gifts to Buy, which is basically he's not sure whether to get people like a tie or he doesn't know what size blouse to get people. It's never at, at, one, at any point throughout the special ever alluded to who these people that he's stressed about buying for, uh, what, what, who these people are. It's it's weird to see basically uh, a town that's basically styled in like the 1880s, uh, well before Christmas was a commercialized holiday, and yet we have this this man who it's an old fashioned town that's basically su- designed to reflect the era in which the source material was written, and yet they have a very modern understanding of Christmas. I I don't know. Uh, the idea of shopping for a necktie in the 18, 1880s. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, I don't. I don't think uh, commercialization, mall culture, uh, aer- uh, aerobics, fitness, all of that kind of stuff. I don't think that was the case. But I mean, maybe there weren't any aerobics. I'm just 1880s, 1980. It was. It was really as if the 1980s were doing the 1880s, and I, I this premiered. I mean, maybe it was filmed in the 1980s, probably started in 1979. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, No point to speculate on that. But uh, So Pinocchio doesn't like his book, goes and sells it for less money that uh, Geppetto Geppetto paid for it, which is, uh, I mean, that actually is pretty reflective of modern Christmas culture, the idea that people are just exchanging goods that maybe neither person necessarily needs so they're taking their money they're devaluing it by buying something that isn't really worth the money they're buying because the person isn't going to enjoy it you swap those gifts and that's that's commercialism it's you're perpetuating the wheels of capitalism and in the 1880s geppetto the toy maker who really is a lonely man he's he says he's lonely later on that's why he would be a good father to pinocchio and yet he's he's stressing over buying people gifts. It's as if people writing the first part of the special had no idea what the rest of the script was. They're just riffing off the cuff. They're making up shit as they go. I mean, frankly, at a, if you've seen the special, there are a lot of points where somebody said a sentence. It's as if whoever was writing the music was like, oh, here's a sentence of the script. Insert song here. We'll take this sentence and... Make some more music about what we just said. That's 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 the special. I, I could do a special that... I don't know. We're not going to get into that. So Pinocchio sells his arithmetic book, gets some money, and then he meets this fox and a cat who we then also later learn were his friends but were bad influences. And Pinocchio kind of understands that they're not the most truthful people in the world and yet he's also pretty gullible. They tell him that... And they've been spying on him, but they tell him that y- you can take your copper coins, bury them in the snow, and then a Christmas tree will... And P- <sighs> Pinocchio alternates kind of between not understanding what Christmas is to basically understanding it completely, and he wants to go teach a dance class for Santa later on. This is all This is all in the special. They're, they're saying to him, you should bury your coins. So he does, and he falls for it, not... Uh, they get the they get the I mean that's not really necessarily a plot but 
the status of the returning the coins. But uh, so Pinocchio needs money to get a gift. After uh, after Fox and Cat tell him that uh, it failed, that just something didn't happen. So he finds Maestro Fire Eater, who has a Christmas puppet show. How convenient. It's also, it's unclear. People seem to know who Pinocchio is. He goes to school, and yet he gets a, he, he adopts a pseudonym for a nom de plume for uh, the, the Christmas show. He's, he's working, and uh, he, he takes an attraction to, so he's a marionette. But we learn later that he he was a sentient tree branch in the forest of enchantment. He was cut down, refined into a log, and then uh, because he was talking to the person who cut him down, uh, he he was given to Geppetto. Uh, this is all in the. It sounds honestly, it really does sound like I'm I'm literally sitting here making things up as it goes along. This is all 100% in the special. You can go and you can go and get it and you can watch it and you can be horrified that I was 100% right at how weird this is, but uh so Pinocchio was I mean he 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 essentially has the form and function of a marionette, but it would be inaccurate to necessarily call him a talking puppet. He's really a talking tree branch that has been molded into the shape of a puppet he's at, i mean this this we're making great news here in pinocchio's christmas he's really a he's really a sentient tree branch who was he had some plastic surgery and was made into a puppet but he takes a liking to julietta who is is not presumably from the forest of enchantment who is yeah is essentially his co-star but she's not real it's like it's like if if a live performer was Falling in love with a Muppet. It's not actually... The Muppet is not actually real. The Muppet is a puppet being performed by somebody else. But, I mean, that's that's kind of the dynamic here. Pinocchio, who takes the form of uh, a marionette, is falling in love with an actual marionette. And he's also... I mean, Maestro Fire Eater is promising that Pinocchio, if he joins his uh, puppet show, he'll be rich and famous, which... I, I, I mean, I guess there's probably some notion of celebrity in the... I mean... Theater performers were not well paid back then. At least, I mean, Shakespeare's time was uh, uh, really... I mean, 1880s are basically as close to the present as uh, Shakespeare is to them. But, uh, I mean, even, even like, in the early days of Hollywood, I mean, you actors really weren't... We're, we're, we're supposed to be a solid couple decades away from the star of the... I mean, there is and there isn't. Rich and famous, that's definitely a stretch, the idea that... Uh, Maestro Fire Eater and Pinocchio are engaging in uh, celebrity culture, like uh, 1880s Perez Hilton would be covering them. That's a little unrealistic, but he falls in love with Julietta. It's very strange. Uh, and then he finds out... I mean, what's kind of very, very weird about this whole situation is uh, Pinocchio finds out that Maestro Fire Eater is going to... Uh, that Julietta is going to be transformed into one of the Magi for another show. In other words, I mean, what, what actually kind of makes sense and what Maestro Fire Eater is demonstrating, you know, if you have a traveling troupe, 
you know, you do it one show one week, you're going to, everybody's going to, you're going to keep the same cast, but they're going to play different characters in a different show the following week. But Pinocchio doesn't understand that. No, he wants to be a star. He probably wants to be a one-trick pony. He also, oh, another one of the songs right around this. Let him laugh. You know, I, I actually, I kind of liked the morals of the Let Him Laugh song because, so Pinocchio doesn't want to go out on the stage and perform because he's worried about being laughed at because he's, he's a, he's a puppet. He's a marionette. He's one of a kind. I mean, he goes to school. That's apparently not an issue. They're in the same town and yet, good guy, I mean, if, if this town is celebrities, in what world is Pinocchio not a celebrity for being the only marionette around? Hmm. Or fox and cat are drinking at a pub, and that's that scene is normal. I, I I don't know what this world is supposed to. I mean, Jiminy Cricket is not supposed to be like somebody you would casually see. It's supposed to be something special about him, and yet I don't know. That's there seem to be weirdos in this in this town seem to be dime a dozen. But uh, let him laugh is actually kind of an interesting song. It's something something that I can identify with as a transgender woman because. I know there are a lot of people out there who laugh at me. They think, oh, you'll never be a real woman. You're just a man. Ah, ha, 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 ha. And they make their jokes, and they send hateful messages my way. And I'm kind of shrugging and laughing as I as I say that because, I mean, I don't really give a shit. Let them laugh. I agree with uh, Maestro Fire Eater in this regard. I mean, there's a difference between performing in a way that, you know, you're, you're just trying to draw it, you, you know, Nobody likes to perform just to be laughed at. You want to be laughed with. And you can understand that Pinocchio doesn't want to be objectified necessarily. But at the same time, you, you do kind of need to, as a trans person, or if you're a marionette, a, a trans... Uh, I mean, Pinocchio is kind of... Uh, he's got some gender identity or... Tree branch to marionette identity. We'll call that whatever you want to call it. Look, I mean, there's something going on there, and it's it's understandable to be self-conscious. And yet, at the same time, if you're if you're letting that self-consciousness get in the way of performing to afford money to buy your uh, step your adopted father Christmas gifts, if you're gonna let it get in the way of that, I mean, I gotta tell you, that's a problem. And that story, I mean, we've seen in Rudolph's Shiny New Year with the uh, adapting of the Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Here we have the gift of the Magi, where the uh, man sells the watch to get uh, his wife a comb, and she sells, she cuts her hair to get uh, money. She sells her hair to get money for his watch chain. The economics here, the comb, watch. Uh, I was pausing. I'm just like, is this right? Yeah, it's weird. Old, old thing. Old stories like this are weird. And somebody in 1980 thought this was, hey, let's make this for kids. I'm sitting here. I got all my notes. I'm trying to go through it. I mean, this is a mess. But uh, Maestro Fire Eater's right. They're supposed to laugh. I'm a comedian. I make fun of my vagina. It's not like I think my vagina sucks. I think my vagina's great. But I'll, I'll stand up on stage, and people will laugh at my jokes about my vagina. That isn't. Maybe some of them are laughing at me, but they're not really supposed to. And at the end of the day, I mean... I'm doing great, so I don't really care. Like they are, the people are supposed to laugh. You can't just get self-conscious about laughter. And I, I don't want it to make it even seem like I'm projecting myself onto Pinocchio. I do quote Pinocchio a lot. People say, 
you know, you'll never be a real woman. I'll never be a real boy. Like, I, you, you, they're just yelling Pinocchio. I, I, you know what? If you want to think of me as the Pinocchio version of a woman, I don't give a shit. I, it, it does, like, whatever. I don't care. I have a great life. It doesn't, if, if I am Pinocchio, whatever. I do not care. So, <laughs> Pinocchio also, I mean, he has some regressive uh, themes when, when Juliet is potentially going to be turned into a magi. He's like, I don't want you, I don't want you old and fat. Uh, a little, little, uh, little messed up. And uh, so Pinocchio runs away. And, I mean, what's really weird here, this system has a police force. Uh, they're, they're on Pinocchio's tail, like, immediately. He can't make it back to Geppetto, so he goes to... The uh, Forest of Enchantment, which is uh, really weird. And, I mean, we've basically covered uh, the Forest of Enchantment scenes are basically just a flashback for Pinocchio. And, I mean, up until this point, you're kind of sitting there wondering, you know, is, is this kind of like an interquill? Like, uh, it, it's an awkward... Like, the TV show Aladdin, which ostensibly takes place after the series genie's not free I, it's weird when you're doing like follow-up things that are based on stories that people are familiar with and you, you want to do a pinocchio thing that's pre him becoming a real boy but also relies on some of the audience's familiarity with the character i mean this isn't a disney special and yet it is definitely leaning hard on it's assuming that its audience is is probably pretty familiar with the disney special that came out i mean this the that special came out in the forties. This is the nineteen eighty. I mean, it, it it's weird. It's weird how how relatively young. I mean, this one's only a couple of years older than Rudolph's Shiny New Year, The Year Without a Santa Claus. So, nineteen eighty. It seems like this is really old school for nineteen eighty, but it, it it's really not. Uh, so they're in the forest of enchantment, and I mean, there are some also some really unfortunate lines. Uh, so when Pinocchio goes, he the woodcutter uh, gives him to Geppetto, and Geppetto's carving him. And when he's when he's finished, when he's starting to be finished, it's kind of like the scene in Empire where three PO had been uh, blown to bits, and Chewbacca's finishing him, and he's like talking as he's being put back together. Pinocchio is talking; he's half finished; he doesn't have legs yet. But I mean, the Geppetto Pinocchio relationship is very weird. I mean, it's Master Toy, but then it really becomes like Master, almost like. That Ryan Gosling movie, Lars and the it's it's Lars and the Real Girl. It's kind of like I don't want to say sex toy, but it's he says he literally says Pinocchio's all excited to learn how to be a marionette, and uh, Geppetto's like, "Not until I finish you." And then Pinocchio's like, "Finish me, finish me, finish me." He says that, and it's just like Ugh. it's 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 not it's not literally sexual, but it's 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 there. It's it's weird. And Geppetto's also saying, like, I'm just a lonely man. I mean, you could see, you could, it's, it's not a stretch. Like, you're sitting there, it's, and, and you could see this situation kind of playing out in real life. That's, it's, that's, uh, yeah, and then uh, what's also funny, I mean, so we know that Pinocchio is the story of Pinocchio. Pinocchio likes his vices, his nose grows, he goes to Pleasure Island, all that kind of stuff, and. I mean, what's funny is Jiminy Cricket comes, and his name's not—we'll just call him Jiminy Cricket. Uh, Pinocchio finds him preachy and annoying. <laughs> he doesn't like him. <laughs> that might be the funniest part of the whole special, because— 
I mean, Jiminy Cricket is preachy. That's that's all. That's his role in in Disney, which is, I mean, based off the same source material, and they're definitely riffing off that. It, it's almost like they're poking fun at the Disney version of Jiminy Cricket by by saying like, ha ha ha, what a preachy. He calls him literally preachy, and you know what? He's right. He is right. He, Jiminy Cricket is pretty terrible. Uh, Geppetto is worried about Pinocchio, but he thinks that the beauty of Christmas will change his way. And I haven't mentioned this other character yet, so I guess let's... <sighs> really, this special, the the antagonist for Pinocchio, you've got Maestro Fireator, who wants Julieta back. You've got Fox and Cat, who really just kind of want to screw around with Pinocchio. But they're also kind of working. There's a duke who is not around for his children, which actually, I mean... If if we're if this is supposed to be some sort of Europe European town, I a lot of uh, noble uh, a lot of people of noble birth with titles. I mean, they really wouldn't see their kids. The nanny would watch them all day, and they maybe see them for like an hour, sometimes even less, like a half hour. Downton Abbey does that a little bit, uh, shows that. But basically, the Duke wants to get his kids the best gifts, so Fox and Cat want to cash in on that by, and they're working with a guy who's like a, a sleigh driver going to the North Pole. They're working with him to get Pinocchio to the Duke. So you've got Maestro Fire Eater, you've got the Duke, and you've got Fox and Cat. So this this 50-minute-long special has a number of villains, which is interesting, uh, certainly fun. In, in some ways, and in others, uh, it's... I mean, by the time they get to the Forest of Enchantment, that's basically the end of let's get some money to buy Geppetto a gift as a plot line. That's basically just cast to the wayside, and Pinocchio's already... I mean, there's a lot of songs interspliced. Pinocchio's had a job already, and it's supposed to be just a few days before Christmas. And Walt... So Pinocchio's hiding out with Julieta in the Forest of Enchantment. He's presumably... I mean... I guess he's maybe thinking of uh, getting back to Geppetto, but he's also he's also wanting to get Julieta uh, Julieta back to life or to life uh, in the first place. And Fox and Cat tell him they meet him in a cave, and they tell him that if he goes across seven mountains and seven valleys on a sleigh ride with that same sleigh that's supposed to go to the Duke. They can get he can get essence of back to lifeodyne. That's what Fox comes up with. It's not bad, but uh, so Pinocchio is about to do that, and then the blue light comes, and it's this woman named Lady Azora who's supposed to be the blue fairy for Pinocchio fans, and she scares them away. And it's actually revealed that in a lot of ways, Lady Azora is Pinocchio's mother, who planted the seed that made the tree that Pinocchio uh, is from. And she takes him to this, uh, she takes him to her sort of palace type situation. And she's bringing a doctor who, I mean, I guess the special's sort of presenting it as a medical doctor, but, I mean, Jiminy Cricket appears and, I mean, he seems to be basically kind of like a psychiatrist. He He's working with Pinocchio, trying to get him to not be all of his vices. I mean, the special has, the, has a lot of fun with uh, Pinocchio screwing around with borrowing apples with Fox and Cat. I mean, it's kind of a mess. So you have Dr. Cricket, and uh, Pinocchio is trying to lie his way out of stealing. He's, he did. He stole Julieta from the Fire Eater. Julieta's not from the Forest of Enchantment. She was not planted from a tree by Lady Azura. No, she is just planted from a regular tree, isn't sentient, so Pinocchio is guilty of theft. And while he was lying, his nose 
grows and grows and grows until he tells the truth. And I guess this is where the Christmas uh, present plot line kind of comes back into play. Because Lady Azura throws the day ex machina, uh, basically paraphrases the Beatles and says, Gee, Pinocchio, all you need is love. The greatest gift that you can give Geppetto is love. And <laughs> what's messed up, so Maestro Fire Eater makes a marionette of Pinocchio, knowing that he's without his his star attraction, who's only been a, a part of his company for, a, I guess, a night. So he makes a real marionette, not not... Pinocchio's a fake marionette. He was He's really a tree branch. And it gets left out, and Geppetto's been going around finding finding Pinocchio. Also, Geppetto has a wig, and Pinocchio is mean to him at first and kicks him and takes his wig, and it's an abusive, abusive relationship. But Geppetto finds marionette, doesn't really realize that it doesn't look anything like Pinocchio, which is bizarre because he literally, he made Pinocchio himself. And, uh, and he's also, he's also a professional, to, he has a toy shop. Like, what, what the, like, how does he not know how to, how to spot that this isn't really his son? What a bad father. But he's, he gets all upset about it, and, uh, there's the imposter, Pinocchio, and he's, he's crying over how Pinocchio tickled him and kicked his pants. Ay, 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 ay. And then Pinocchio is, is thinking maybe he goes to the North Pole and he runs a dance class for Santa. But, of course, that doesn't come to fruition because he gets sent to uh, the sleigh rider, sends him to the Duke, and uh, he, Pinocchio gets ra- uh, wrapped up as a present, and the Duke wants to give him to his kids, and he gets angry because he starts getting lectured by the Christmas gift, and Pinocchio starts singing about how about about what a bad father he is. And, uh, I, you know, when people get accosted, and we see this a lot with homophobia or transphobia, Pinocchio really lays into this guy, and to his credit, the Duke is uh, agrees, and is basically like, you know, I'm going to spend Christmas with my kids. So, I mean, Pinocchio does some good there. And at that point, Pinocchio goes outside. He doesn't know how he's going to get back. It's going to be late for Christmas. It's basically the same ending as Rudolph's Shiny New Year. But surprise, surprise, guess who comes? It's Santa Claus, who uh, arrives in his sleigh and brings uh, Pinocchio, and uh, I guess Jiminy Cricket is also with him. I mean, Jiminy Cricket, sanctimonious, preachy. I mean, he really... He and uh, Lady Azura understand that you can't force Pinocchio to the path of righteousness. He has to go there himself. So I... I, I can appreciate uh, I can appreciate his level of non-interference, but of course Santa. I mean, that, talk about Deus Ex Machina. He shows up at the end. It's a little odd, but uh, Pinocchio gets to go. Uh, he gets to go home, and <laughs> it's it's weird. I mean, what started as a special about Pinocchio trying to uh, sell his I mean his shitty arithmetic book gift to uh, get Geppetto something. Really, it was like that plot, as that plot was supposed to go forward, they took a many steps back because the what well, what started as Pinocchio's Christmas started to kind of hedge and be like, actually, we're gonna we're gonna just basically do a more more or less a straight rendition of Pinocchio with Lady Azura and Jiminy Cricket, and I mean, so Lady Azura, we find out that she has a sleigh of her own, and. I, I, 
I'll praise uh, Bass Rankin here. Uh, I looked at it. I'm like, you know, that's a really beautiful sleigh. Lady Zora has a great sleigh. And it kind of reminded me how in the year without a Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus travels uh, down to the town to rescue Jingle and Jangle. And from there they go meet Heat Miser and Snow Miser. They, they know how to design alternative sleighs than your traditional Christmas sleigh. So, I mean, and you know what? We shouldn't necessarily scoff at that. That's actually kind of a, a, a fun thing. But uh, she comes in, and now uh, she has her servants. They come for, I guess it's some sort of, uh, it's kind of like a Christmas breakfast. It's the morning. And uh, it's kind of at that point that they take a step back, and they're like, you know, Instead of just being a Christmas special, why don't we cover a lot of the rest of Pinocchio? I mean, the flashback scenes had done some of Pleasure Island. This uh, they show because Pinocchio is like, you know, will I stay on the path of righteousness? And the cat and the fox are just kind of staring at them. And I mean, Lady Azura could just say, "Hey, watch out for that cat and the fox. They're not the best people on the planet Earth." She could say that, but no, she doesn't say that. Instead, she's like, "No, you will be led astray." Which, okay, I mean, one of the things about, and when I was a kid, especially Belle's uh, Enchanted Christmas, when that came out, I mean, I was, I think Beauty and the Beast came out the exact same year I was born, 1991. To have stuff like that kind of gave, it was fun, and, and the TV shows, like, for The Little Mermaid, or Aladdin, or Hercules, or that kind of stuff, uh, I think the Tarzan show had a, had a series as well. You always kind of wondered Timon and Pumbaa. I'm naming Disney shows at this point. But it was always, I mean, you, these these iconic characters, and as somebody who spent a lot of time at, at, at Disneyland when the world, before the world ended and we had our Disneyland passes, uh, I mean, these are movies. You get, like, 80, 90 minutes with a character and all of that. And, uh, I mean, pre-direct-to-DVD sequels, pre-TV show, I mean, that was kind of it. You had a Pinocchio, the Disney version, that's just... a. a self-contained little bit uh it's a movie and that's it and cinderella before they put out the sequels but there was always kind of the wondering of what these people were doing afterward after the happily ever after because it says they lived happily ever after they don't show how they lived happily ever after so i mean to take something like the adventures of pinocchio it is kind of interesting that this sort of semi-origin story semi-holiday like let's throw santa in but let's also make sure that we're giving Pinocchio a lot of morals that are basically running exactly parallel to the source material. Let's kind of do a traditional Pinocchio, but let's throw Santa in because we're ranking bass and that's what people expect. So it's a weird dynamic, and yet at the same time, like, it kind of works because it, it it's fun to see these characters outside of kind of their cookie-cutter origin story dynamic. We got a little bit of origin story. We got a little bit of uh, Christmas fun. And we get to see Maestro and the Whale at the end in a little montage. And we do we do get to, because Pinocchio is sitting there saying, like, will I be a real boy? I mean, this is a special that wants to basically cover the story of Pinocchio without, without covering it completely. And they don't want to end with him being a boy. But they also, I mean, maybe they sense, like, sort of an obligation to say to the audience, like, hey, yeah, this did happen. And I mean, that's basically the special. It starts off basically doing Gift of the Magi and ends with basically following the ending of Pinocchio. Which is, I mean, it's it's odd. This is a very weird situation. It is kind of an untenable situation for a special. And I, it, it's pretty easy to, I mean, 
You could say that this special was destined to not be as iconic as Santa Claus is Coming to Town or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or The Year Without a Santa Claus because it's it's not... I mean, it's not an original story, but I mean, mean, they made an iconic... They took Little Drummer Boy, Rudolph, they reverse-engineered those specials out of songs. That's hard. They, well, you know, characters like Yukon Cornelius, The Abominable Snowman, or... Uh, the Great Baba the Sheep and Little Drummer Boy. No, that's that special doesn't have a ton of iconic characters. But I mean, as a fifty-minute special, this 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 thing is just really dragging itself. I mean, looking at the time we covered it, and this episode, I kind of felt more dis- like needing to really cover the this the spread of trying to explain what this is because at so many points it's like okay. We could have been a twenty-minute special or twenty-five-minute special, and and really achieved everything that we were trying to do, but instead we we opted for this long thing with a lot of forgettable songs. I was looking at the wiki to make sure like the plotting was uh, okay, and I saw some of the songs. They don't even list all of them. There's a lot of songs that go on like a minute, and and some of them, especially in the back half, are in quick succession, and you're just staring at it, being like, "What the hell?" And I guess for I watched the. Uh, DVD cut, uh, which is 50 minutes. Uh, if you're watching this on TV, and it probably only airs like once a year, but uh, if you're watching the broadcast, they cut about six to eight minutes at least. Uh, that's a rough estimate, but they cut a bit. And I, they don't, it, this is, it, it, it's pretty impossible. I mean, the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, regression and all, I rail on that a lot, and Year Without a Santa Claus are, are probably the only two that uh, don't have a period in the back half where they're just absolutely dragging. I mean, He Miser, Snow Miser, I mean, that's kind of, they appear pretty much at the end because, I mean, there's not a lot, once that's all solved, and it's solved in quick succession, their little fight with each other that Mother Nature gets involved in. Basically, the special is, is a little bit after, the, and it, it's kind of downhill from there. The Blue Christmas Without You, that's kind of a mess. I mean, this one, in some ways, they keep it really fresh in the first half because they're jumping around and they're covering a lot of different plot lines. But then they start relying on songs. And this special, I mean, there's just too much going on. There's too many villains. It, the, the whole Pinocchio, Julieta situation, it's kind of like Frankenstein's monster and Bride of Frankenstein yeah, he wants a friend. I mean, if you're going to go there with the origin story and explain how he's a tree branch, and he's now he's falling in love with the non-sentient being, like the whole appeal of uh, Maestro Firebreather's uh, show is that you have one real puppet alongside the fake ones and then the fake puppet. I mean, another thing that I've been wondering, so Geppetto finds the stand-in Pinocchio. That guy never gets turned into a puppet. I mean, never gets turned into a real boy. I mean, what's going on with that? Like, why does, like, Julieta gets willed to life by Lady Azura really strictly because Pinocchio has a hard-on for the sex doll, which is what she's functioning as. It sounds kind of wrong to say it. We're talking about a children's show. That is, that is the function of her. She exists so that Pinocchio can be attracted to her. That's literally all Julieta is within the context of this special. She is an object of affection for Pinocchio. And that's, that's kind of what the special pivots towards after they're, they've stretched out the gift of the Magi. It gets mentioned a little bit in Lady Azura, where they say all you need is love, basically. But, I mean, 
And then there, they kind of stretch out the origin story for a bit, and then they bring Fox and Cat into play so that he can go to the Duke. And that wraps up, and then Santa comes, and Julieta's brought back to life. And it's, it's kind of like they were looking at the end, being like, okay, okay, we got the Duke. He's explained everything. He saved Christmas. He's explained that commercialism... I mean, he's allowed to leave, and they let him leave for the... Hey, it's supposed to be a really good gift. I mean, it's supposed to be like a parody of how the best gift is supposed to be hard to find. I mean, we're with online shop. I, well, with online shopping, it's supposed to be easier. But with the current status of the supply chain, I mean, who's to say? But uh, it's just it's specials all over the place. It's just covering too many bases. There's too much stuff going on. So, I mean, it's pretty clear why this is a lesser tier. I mean, I, I'm wondering what even the breakdown of who's listening, if it's, you know, people who just like us out illusions or if they've seen this and they're looking. I mean, there's not a lot of other. I mean, that's part of the appeal is how few people have really talked about Pinocchio's Christmas in any long form. But it's just looking. And that's the weirdest thing. We talked about this a little bit in the other episodes. But, but the idea, this was made in 1980 and we're still engaging with it. And you just have to wonder. I mean... Star Trek would be the... The original Star Trek would be a good comparison. I mean, nobody knew then. We talked about this when Archie K.O. was on. Archie brought it up. The idea that uh, nobody filming that in the 60s really knew that people were going to be watching it 50 years later. 70s. You know, it's been a long time. They, they, were, they were trying to fill an hour of television one time. This is like really the early days of, of even having regular reruns. And yet it, it, it lasts on... This is 1980. They they knew that this stuff was a gold mine that they could keep pumping out these Christmas specials and they would just be aired on end forever. But uh, stop motion is not easy. It takes a lot of planning. And I always, I mean, I, as a film critic, I always think about this stuff a lot. The idea that productions are hard. You have to. It's so many moving pieces that need to come together. The writing is supposed to be in theory at least, one of the easier parts, and that's not to say that writing is easy, but filming on a location with effects and budget, that's all expensive. A good writer, to hire a good writer is expensive, but in theory, writing is, like, writing doesn't have a baseline cost, like putting a character like Thanos on stage would, would have a certain, it's expensive, you can't just do it on the cheap. You You could write, you could write for free, I mean, you could do that. So you've not, not to say that anybody should, but a special point being that this, uh, every good, every show should, in theory, have a foundation of solid writing and solid acting. You're supposed to like those are things you can go and find. And this, this is just this is this is really strange. It's very odd. I. I, I I was very intimidated to even uh, approach an episode like this because I was like, what am I supposed to do? And I mean, they're, I, I rail on it a lot. The songs the songs get you because the songs are not... I, I think I, the two big defining aspects of the Bank and Rass era, it, is it a special that has memorable characters and does it have memorable songs? This... It gets some points on the first. But it's Pinocchio is an interesting character. He's he's witty. He's funny. Uh, watching him misbehave is fun. It's fun to see his uh, weird dynamic with Geppetto and Jiminy Cricket. 
Lady Azura falls a bit flat. Uh, Geppetto, George S. Irving does a pretty good job. It's not like he's the greatest character on the planet Earth. Uh, Jiminy Cricket is funny, uh, pales in comparison. He and Lady Azura pale in comparison to their Disney counterparts. So, I mean, this special does not have all that much going for it. And it's too long, and it has a lot of weird filler. I mean, the other, the other thing with with Bank and Rass ones that are not the half-length, like Little Drummer Boy, you also, like, you could say, does this have good characters? Does this have good songs? And then also, how much of its runtime was wasted on silly nonsense? This this, this gets docked a lot of points. And I think, like, the, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, and Jack Frost also, uh, so from that regard, I'm probably going to do, well... I want to do uh, some of these. We're going to do uh, a couple more episodes like this, and then some will be uh, saved for, for next year. Uh, this one, it's interesting. I mean, within the Christmas genre has so many perennial classics that I, I, I usually, because, I mean, if you start if you start watching Christmas stuff at night, Tara and I start watching TV probably around 8.15, and we watch... Uh, Probably about till ten o'clock, and then it's uh, time to get ready for bed. Um, you know, if you start, if you dedicate your whole December to watching Christmas stuff, you can get kind of burned out by the end of it. My my sister and I, we talked about it in uh, when we had Muppet Christmas Carol. I mean, we used to have these packed, packed Christmas lineups, and it's not like they're all that great. Hallmark movies, if you've seen one, you've basically seen them all, and that that's not necessarily imply you have to watch them all. Obviously, people watch a lot of them, but. Uh, it, this the show has a lot of crap in it. Point being, and you, if you're gonna watch it for a month straight, you can get kind of like burned out. But I always kind of think about whether I, whether the Christmas viewing of the I sound like such a weird weird film critic. Uh, I define our Christmas season by you know what what wild cards do we throw into the fray? So with Punicus Christmas, it's a while. You, you do not. If anyone's watching this once a year, I mean it's. It's not even so bad, so good that you'd want to do that, but I don't know. You can throw this one into the mix. It's an interesting one. It's very skippable. You don't need to watch this every year. Uh, it's it's a, it's a strange one, but uh, hopefully you had some fun uh, listening to going through all of this mess. Uh, it's a it's a funny special. So uh, we're gonna do at least two more ringing bass. We have another special one. Christmas coverage. I mean, we're this is episode six. We did five last year. This is the sixth, and we're not done. So, I, I wanted to do four. I thought I was gonna be tired, and I, it's fun. It's fun to do this kind of stuff. Uh, I hope you. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if if this is the only, I hope this isn't the only one. I don't want to just repeat myself an ending. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>